0: The Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast Hello and welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. This past week, the shipping industry lost one of its most influential people with the passing of John Angelikousis. Mr. Angelikousis died at 72 on April 10 in Athens after suffering a heart attack three weeks earlier. Considered by many the biggest Greek ship owner in terms of both fleet size and stature, his career in shipping spanned almost five decades, during which he grew the family business into the 150-ship empire that it is today. His group is believed to own the largest purely private shipping fleet in the world. His foray into the LNG sector in the early 2000s was a catalyst for the entry of Greek ship owners into a market where today they are among the leaders. Mr. Angelikousis, a discreet personality who avoided the spotlight, was also known for his strong support of the Greek flag and the country's maritime industry. Today, I'm speaking with our longtime Greek correspondent, Nigel Lowry, and city chairman of Global Shipping, Logistics, and Offshore, Michael Parker. We discuss who John Angelikusis was, what made him so significant, and what his death means both for the business he leaves behind and the wider industry. So, Nigel, who exactly was John Anglicousis and why was he such an important figure in both Greek and international shipping?
1: Well, Anas, uh, John Anglicousis was a ship owner through and through. Mm-hmm. And I'm not aware that he had any other major business activities. He devoted himself solely to the business of shipping. Uh, in fact, I know he turned down other opportunities, even golden opportunities, to d- diversify into other businesses. Such as real estate, that I think it's fair to say, you know, most other ship owners, uh, big ship owners, commonly diversify into. But he didn't. He loved shipping. Um, he was born into a shipping family uh, that hailed originally from from Hios. His father started the company, Anthony Angelikousis. He was a a radio operator aboard ships uh, around the Second World War, and in fact. Uh, was torpedoed during the second world war and he started the, the family shipping franchise as a dry cargo, uh, shipping company. Uh, so he comes from, from a shipping lineage and he was of, of great note. You know, Greek shipping collectively owns more shipping than any other nationality in the world. And John Angrikousis was simply the biggest of them all. And, uh, he died in Athens last weekend after suffering a, a stroke and a heart attack three weeks earlier. So I think he, uh, I, I mean, he leaves for sure the the largest uh, fleet in Greek shipping. Uh, and I believe the largest fleet by, by capacity mm. um,
0: as a purely private ship owner worldwide. Right. So, Michael, what made... John Angelikousis, such a special person in the shipping industry. Well, I think, um, there are the obvious reasons he was the largest Greek
2: ship owner by tonnage. He, uh, as various people have said, he, he invested heavily in the Greek flags. So I think from a, from a national perspective, he, he was contributing very keen to contribute to, to the domestic opportunity, if you like, in terms of shipping in Greece. I think. In a way, given the industry, the way the global industry is made up, for someone to build such an important and sizable business—not so much because he remained private, but but whilst avoiding all the, all the um, successfully avoiding, uh, you know, a lot of the sort of trade wins type front pages and 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 that part of the culture of of ship owning that that many people in the industry find more interesting, maybe. So I think the way he, the way he was able to stay very focused around what he wanted to do, very focused around the relationships he built up with all his key partners, you know, like the charterers, the Qataris, the the other significant partnerships he had and the single-mindedness with which he continued to order ships and to engage in a very balanced approach to, to risk. I think I always used to feel that he was ordering consistently and therefore, if you like, averaging out, you know, the the cycle for himself. And that was actually a very good way of investing in the industry as opposed to catching a knife or, or catching a, you know, following wind alongside everyone else. Because I think part of the historical problems about shipping on the supply side have been the owning side all piling in roughly the same time and then having a whole load of unnecessary or excessive capacity delivered also roughly at the same time usually when the global economy is going through some sort of downturn so he avoided all that and, and i think that ability to see through short-term movements to think long-term he's not the only one but i think he did it more effectively than most and, and, and didn't have to keep reinventing himself. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that's relevant is in his move into LNG, which I remember and he I remember meeting with him in Athens talking about this at some length. I mean he had a he he, he was very thorough in the way that he wanted to understand the business. Mm-hmm. He was not just about ordering the vessels, it was about knowing that he had the management team an operational team to make it work as a business, not just as a as an asset. And I think that care and attention to detail is very important. And it gives confidence to people on the outside like banks that you know you're dealing with an owner who really is, you know, doing all the homework needed to make sure that their you know, what they're putting at risk in terms of their own capital has been thought through.
1: I can I can tell you a little bit about the, 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 the sort of career that he had and, and why I think he, he became such a major figure. Uh, he, uh, he joined his father in the family, family shipping business, uh, almost 50 years ago. And John took over the reins. I think it was in 1989 when his father passed away. But by then he was already at the helm of one of the very first Greek led public shipping companies. This had always been a strategy on the part of his father uh so they were really quite um quite progressive uh ship owners uh, for 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 that period uh in 1987 2 years before his father passed away the company an angel had teamed up with uh, with the financial institution american express to launch an angel american shipholdings and that was initially on the luxembourg stock market and i think i think uh the very month that his father anthony died saw an angel American also get a listing on the NASDAQ exchange. So relatively early, in contrast to most ship owners of his day, he had this public pulpit. And I think that that brought him even more to the attention of the shipping world than he might otherwise have been. And that sort of public element of his profile was consolidated in the late 1990s because he had a very, very public duel with John Fredrickson. And at that time, uh, John Fredrickson was intent on making Frontline the biggest tanker company in the world. And Frontline had already swallowed up another Greek, uh, sort of historic Greek franchise called London and Overseas Freighters, uh, which was a London-based company established by the Kulukundis and Mavroleon families. And that was actually the very first Greek publicly listed shipping company. And now... Frontline wanted to take over a Swedish tanking company called ICB Shipping. And it came about that to defend themselves against this, this, this sort of Viking raider, uh, John Fredrickson, uh, the principals, the Swedish principals of ICB turned to John Anglicus and basically enlisted him as a white knight. So this hostile takeover battle between the Greek ship owner on the one hand and uh, and John Fredrickson on the other, lasted about two years. And it, and it went on and on and, and really got quite rough at times. Uh, and during this period, Greek shipping and other traditional shipping communities were, were really quite insecure about the entrance of public money into their industry. And Fredrickson's personality didn't really kind of calm that situation because he seemed to be hell-bent on using the public markets and 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 big money to gobble up everything in sight. Although history records, I think, that uh, usually Frontline was declared the winner of that battle uh, and eventually took over ICB. But John Anglicusis left with four VLCCs, and those became the foundations of his huge, eventually, VLCC fleet. And he kept a long-term relationship with some of those Swedish shareholders who remained with him. As minority partners in the Anglicus group, even until uh, relatively recently. So he emerged as a kind of champion of traditional shipping values, if you like. And there are a couple of ironies in it because at the time he, he was actually at the helm of what, of just about the only publicly listed Greek shipping company in existence. So it's kind of ironic that he would be seen in that way. Um, but also, I think that what people were sort of the traditional ship owners were scared of was Frontline's giganticism, uh, and that worried people. And yet today, John Anglicus's tanker fleet is way bigger than Frontline's fleet was back then. So, you know, these things tended to sort of build up his image. Uh, it, it, it wasn't deliberate, but they brought him to a lot of public attention um that he might not otherwise have got as a sort of quiet, private ship owner. And I think in that way, he, he, he was sort of seen as a bit of a leader almost from the very beginning. Uh, and then he just uh, took it on to another level, expanding across several different sectors to become the biggest ship owner, certainly in Greece, if not the world.
0: And Nigel, one of the things he is quite widely known for, uh, especially over the past couple of decades, is his expansion into the LNG tanker market. How do you see that expansion happening and why do you think it happened?
1: I think he was, uh, I think he was, uh, he he has, although he concentrated on two or three main sectors. And and by that, I mean, you know, he, he leaves a fleet of 150 ships uh, more or less. And they're spread across three sectors, dry bulk tankers and LNG. And it's, it's a, it's a very homogenous fleet. He was an extremely fo- focused person. You know, he, he liked big ships and he, he pretty much on the dry bulk, he stuck to cape sizes. Uh, on the tankers, um, it's predominantly VLCCs with some Suez vectors. And then it's a sort of fairly homogenous fleet of large LNG carriers. So he, 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 he had an eye for opportunity, but in a very disciplined and focused way. Um, he wasn't going to invest in all kinds of different segments. He was going to invest in a segment where he saw an opportunity for, uh, to have a big presence, uh, and build up, uh, build up his capacity to the best of his ability. And, and that's what happened in LNG. I think it's a, a bit of a blunt assertion to say he was the very first Greek ship owner on the LNG scene at all. The Chandras family and Pisa Levanos had each sort of dipped a really small toe into the sector previous to that in very limited ways. But it's true that in 2003-2004, John Anglicusus ordered the first Greek LNG carriers. And he set up a a sort of proper, fully-fledged owning and management platform for that fleet of LNG carriers, which was like nothing before it in Greek shipping. Uh, he saw, he saw it as the future. Uh, he saw that his traditional high quality of operations could make an impact in that field. And I think, um, he was definitely a leader and you can, you can argue that, you know, his, his presence underlining the fact that Greek ship owners could also make it in this sort of sector which is seen as more sophisticated and generally rather unspeculative for, for the tastes of, of Greek ship owners, that they could make it in the sector. And I'm sure that his, his lead, although it was swiftly followed by, by two or three other owners, really has helped uh, Greek shipping get into the, and expand into the LNG shipping sector to a point where today Greek owners rival Japanese companies. As the leaders in this, in this sector. Mm. So I think, I think LNG was very suited to his approach because he always insisted on, on training, uh, development of a, of a cadre of high quality Greek officers, engineers, superintendents, shoreside ex- executives. And, you know, apart from the very size of his fleet, I think just to, to sort of add to the previous point, I think this is one of the things that that marked him out, and although we we devoted a bit of time to to recounting the anecdote about his duel with with John Frederickson mm. uh, over ICB back in back in the day back in the, the late 1990s, he, John, John Angcuss was virtually universally respected in the shipping industry, and you know it was interesting that Frederickson apparently was one of the people who paid tribute to him this week. After his passing, Uh, by all accounts, they had plenty of respect uh, for each other, despite their run-in. And there's a story that I heard from from years ago that Frederickson reputedly once said to him that they should join forces. And he said, "I can do the sales and purchase, and you do the operations." And I think that if it's true, uh, that's an example of how widely Anglicus was recognised as a superior operator. You know, part of his profile was that uh, uh you know which was part of bridge shipping traditional model that they would do their own operations and he put great um he, he put great store in uh, safety and operating quality um and he used to tell his people if you think quality is expensive try an accident so he he always believed in opting for quality even if it was initially costlier uh, rather than, than making compromises.
0: Michael, we've spoken about who he was and how he grew his business into what it has become today, but what was John Angelicus actually like to work with?
2: Well, John John was a very, as I said, he was a very thoughtful person and he would, um, when, when one met with him um, I mean I met with him on several occasions, obviously both On specific things, but also general catch ups. And I was always impressed by his insightfulness. What was, what was interesting was he was not someone who sort of gossiped about his competitors or things. He was not that type, but, but he was quite perceptive about some of the things going on elsewhere in the industry that would I found very interesting because it was a different perspective often to the one I had. Um, and and I found that sort of useful as well as interesting. I think he was very good. I think John was very good at taking advice mm. when he wanted it or asking for advice doesn't mean he always took it, but, but he wanted to know, you know, what people thought, um, and then, you know, he had the choice of whether to take that advice or to find an alternative route. So, you know, he, has high, he had high standards and uh, very professional. Um, and um, you know, run him a team that worked very well, and and a team, some of which obviously Maria has inherited, that you know makes one feel confident that um, that things will continue.
0: Nigel Michael mentioned Maria Angelikousis John's daughter, who will now be taking over the group. As someone who has been covering Greek shipping for a long time, and knowing that John Angelikousis had been present for an even longer time. How do you see this transition happening and what are you looking for and expecting, if anything, at this point?
1: Well, you know, I, I mean, for those that don't know, uh, the Anglicusis group, one of the distinguishing characteristics, especially uh, of a group of such size, is that um, despite his his years in the early part of his career at the helm of a public company, he delisted that public company in I think the year 2000, mm-hmm. and ever since then he's he's he grew monumentally, but uh, as a completely private privately owned shipping empire. Mm-hmm. So the question of succession, you know, is always uppermost in people's minds, and it, and it certainly was in his own mind. Uh, he and his wife Elizabeth only had one child. And as you, as you referenced, that's their daughter, Maria Anglicusis. And she began her working life as a, a trained doctor in the UK. But John Anglicusis, I think, eventually prevailed on her to come and join the business around 2008, 2009. Ever since then, she's played quite an important role in managing the group. I think it's probably fair to say that in the majority of cases, he was still taking the big decisions. He lived and breathed the shipping business. but um, latterly her influence had become you know, really started to become more obvious outwardly as well. I'm sure it's you know, it's very well known within the business, but there was some there have been some signs that outwardly as well that uh, there was a, a gradual change of guard perhaps going on. Uh, for example, she was credited with a management reorganization last year uh, after a couple of her father's longtime senior managers left the group. Uh, I mean, there was obviously going to have to be some sort of reorganization after that, but I think that she had quite a, a big input on that. And she's also seen as a key influence behind the choice of Samsung Heavy Industries as the yard for the group's most recent LNG and VLCC orders. Uh, whereas her father, for many years, had stuck with Dai Wu, predominantly, and secondarily perhaps Hyundai uh, Dai, and, and those were his favourite builders that he wanted to remain loyal to. Look, th- there's bound to be a, a bit of uncertainty about the future. Uh, it's natural, um, and I think it's as well to recall that uh, there was even similar uncertainty in the air when Anthony Anglicus's his father died, and then, of course, it was John who was the heir apparent. Uh, together with his sister, Anna, who today is a major shipowner in her own right, with a separate fleet. So look at how that turned out. Um, you, you know, uh, John took the business on to, to, I think, lengths undreamed of by his father. Uh, and yet at the time, there were questions as to whether the children would continue the legacy or be able to fill such a big pair of shoes. It's just in the nature of these generational changes, there are always such questions. Uh, so there's no doubt that it's going to be a very big entity for one person to run, but sometimes when the next generation uh, actually consists of more than one sibling, it makes splitting up a group sort of more in- inevitable. So we, we don't, you know, the, the short answer is we don't know. Uh, in, in this case, John Anglicus has always put a lot of emphasis. On having good people around him, good executives, good advisors. I know that Maria has her own close advisors uh, and they're clearly likely to be quite important in shaping um, her strategy for the future. Um, she spends many years by his side. John Angliclusis himself learned much of his knowledge about shipping from being with his father. Um among the lessons he learned from Anthony Anglicus were the importance of relations with your people. And also to expect uh, to have to deal with good times and, and bad times as well. And it was important to stay in the business for the long run. Um, you know, these were among the lessons he's learned he learned from his father, and I'm sure that he will have sought to hand down to his own daughter. But at the end of the day, Marie-Anglithus is
0: is
1: (laughs) obviously her own person. You know, we we don't really know whether she'll have the same absolutely intense appetite for the business that her father had. Uh, And at times like these, you sort of you you hear ringing endorsements about how she'll be just fine and take the group on to even greater glories. Um, And and other people who wonder how it's going to be. But, you you know, the answer is we, we just don't know. And she will be making up her own mind about the group's future course.
0: Michael, how do you see the legacy that John Angelikousis is leaving behind? And what do you see for the future of the Angelikousis group?
2: I, I think it's tragic that he died so young and, um, and had, had lots of things to do, I'm sure, in his own mind, professionally and personally. And I, and that is very sad. And so I know that Maria will not. You know, not have wanted to take on the full responsibility she's had to this soon. I think what John leads is, is is a great opportunity for Maria to both recognise his legacy, to follow many of the things that he you no know, doubt taught her, and, and the things that she believes in that are already there in the company. But it's also an opportunity for her to take the company, you know, in the direction which she feels is appropriate. We know, we were talking before this about the decarbonisation webinar going on at this time. We know there are huge challenges facing the industry, challenges and opportunities. And I think a company like Angela Acoustics is very well placed to deal with those. Um, and I, I think that is Maria's opportunity to build on the legacy she receives from John and to advance the the new shipping agenda advance you know the changes in the industry and to be at the forefront of that as i said um in my remarks um in the, at the beginning of my discussion with graham henderson john was not someone who stood up and wanted to lead on these sort of issues but i think behind the scenes and quietly he he was very convinced about the importance of Industry faces. And so one shouldn't sort of assume that because people are not signing up to lots of different public forums and things, that people like John weren't thinking hard about the issue. So I I think that is not a big change. That's not going to be a big change, but clearly Maria will will, now has the responsibility to take those challenges forward. And I'm very confident she will do that very successfully.
0: Nigel, you you know firsthand, of course, that Greece has. No shortage of ship owners, but arguably John Angelicousis was the biggest of them all, at least in in this era, in this recent era. What legacy do you think he ultimately leaves behind? Yeah, you know, again, it's perhaps a little bit early to gauge
1: uh, gauge that, because it depends how the group moves on from this point forward. Obviously, he leaves a huge fleet um, and a a very strong and, and sophisticated one. I think his legacy, perhaps you could say, is almost uh, psychological as well as material because, uh, you know, he, he never strayed very far from the traditional private family recipe of Greek shipping. But he he certainly pushed the envelope uh, in how how big that recipe could be taken. Yeah, he, he, he financed his ships the traditional way with bank loans, but it's never been done on such a scale by a purely private uh, concern. And I think it was, you know, just as you look back historically and someone like Onassis say was an important inspiration for shipping, uh, in shipping to excite Greeks, um, to enter the industry. I think these role models do play a role in, um, in, in inspiring a community like this to, to continue, to have appetite to, to continue in the industry, uh, because it, it shows them what is possible, shows other people what is possible. So, for example, you know, if the group downscales, you know, or changes its identity in futures, for sure, there is a loss of an icon. But on top of that, you have some tangible contributions that he made to the industry and specifically to the Greek shipping community. It's true that the Greek-owned fleet sort of expands year by year, and, and that's been happening for many for decades, really. But the Greek flag fleet has shrunk. Uh, both relatively speaking and in absolute numbers. It's, in recent years, been over-dependent, I would say, on a few major owners for support. And John Anglicusus, far and away, was the most important of these. He kept virtually all his fleet under Greek flag. And I think today the group accounts, it's a sort of staggering proportion of the Greek flag fleet. It's about one third of the total tonnage under Greek flag. Belongs to the Anglicousis group. And hand in hand with that, he's been a major contributor to the, to the country's maritime education system. And that too is something that's in continual need of private support. So his loss has potentially quite wide ramifications. But again, it very much depends on how his group is going to continue uh, without him, if it's going to continue on its present course or if it's going to deviate and and that's something that we can't tell